Hey everyone, I'm Alex Lieberman, co-founder and executive chairman of Morning Brew. Welcome to season four of Fresh Invest, the podcast where we explore all things investing, sponsored by Fidelity Investments and powered by Morning Brew. This time around, we are exploring strategies and tips to help you invest wisely wherever you are in life. With help from our friends at Fidelity, we'll dive into the investing life cycle in the context of today's market landscape, emerging trends, and long-term wealth building strategies. Let's get into it. Last week, we did a deep dive into women's financial wellness. We discussed why men and women have such different experiences when it comes to money and what strategies are well-suited to support women's long-term financial planning. This week, we're exploring investing trends by generation. If you've ever brought up money at a family gathering, one thing becomes very clear. Perceptions of money can vary a ton from one generation to the next. Today, we're looking at generational investing habits from baby boomers all the way to Gen Z. We'll dive into emerging trends and examine the pros and cons of these different strategies. And Ryan Victorin, VP and financial consultant at Fidelity, is joining us as we explore these generational trends. Ryan, great to have you on the show. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Let's do this thing. So quickly, can you just introduce yourself for uh, the Fresh Invest audience? Yeah, absolutely. So I am a financial advisor and certified financial planner uh, for Fidelity Investments, um, obviously. So what that means is that I sit with clients every day and help them build out comprehensive financial plans, get organized, understand what they're on track for so that they can ensure that the people they care about and what they're hoping to accomplish actually gets accomplished. So I'm really excited to be here for this topic because there are a lot of differences with the different generations and different concerns and priorities. So I'm excited to get into it. Totally. And I'm excited for it because I don't think I've ever had a conversation like this one where we basically go generation by generation talking about the differences in habits and behaviors financially of these folks. So let's start with baby boomers. Mm -hmm. uh, these are people in their late 50s to 70s. So my parents or grandparents' generation, depending on the age, most boomers are now in the workforce, but nearing the age of retirement. And so obviously they're at a time where they're starting to think about how are they saving retirement? How are they going to have enough of a nest egg to live off of retirement? So can you talk about how this impacts their investing habits as well as where inflation is at right now, how boomers are reacting to this? Yes. So two parts to that for sure. And I think it's important to understand the context of what the boomers, where they are and what they've really gone through, right? So they're going from saving their money and growing their money to having to mentally shift away from a paycheck coming in every single, you know, every other week or every month and actually using their assets to recreate that income. It's a huge mental shift. Yeah, I have shift. to think that's a difficult shift. Oh, yeah. I mean, they have decades of muscle memory of really investing in a particular way that's usually growth-oriented. But the other thing, too, is that they have, you know, the financial crisis of 2008, the tech bubble of the 2000s, still kind of fresh on their mind, but they were 40s or 50s at the time. And so they said, oh, that wasn't fun, but I have 10, 15, 20 years to go. But now they say, oh, I can't afford <laughs> to go through that right this minute. But again, it's a huge mental shift. So I usually talk about this in the context of a framework of three broad categories, particularly for the boomers. First is emergency, second is protection, and the third is growth. So emergency, pretty much anybody needs. So you need an emergency fund just to take care of, you know, the if something really goes wrong or the emergency trip to Italy, whatever <laughs> it, the emergency is. But 
we see boomers lean pretty hard on that protection category. And what that usually means is they want more fixed investments like CDs or bonds, or I see annuities come in here because they're income generating, and they may not have the same type of fluctuation as traditional growth-oriented investments. It's not that they are guaranteed, but of course, they can you know, be, potentially be a little bit more stable. And they often generate some pretty decent interest now. So I know we'll get into how interest rates are affecting other generations, and it's tough if you're going to buy a house. But for the boomers, I say, finally, (laughs) we can actually generate some income off of these less rocky type of investments. And it's more than we've seen in about 20 years. So for this category, it's a good thing. But at the same time, the second part of your question was about inflation. So they still need to have some sort of portfolio that is positioned for growth to try to keep pace or outpace inflation. And so you still want to have that disciplined, diversified portfolio that does have potential to keep up with this over the long term, because it's been a part of our lives for a while. But it's part of any planning that we build in that kind of context. Totally. Well, the first part of the answer that you spoke about was CDs and different fixed income instruments. And we cover that next episode of Fresh Invest. So make sure to check out that episode. Now I want to talk about Gen X. And Gen X is kind of what you were saying about baby boomers, but 10 or 20 years ago, where it's a group of folks that has some time until retirement. They're in their early 40s or late 50s. They're, let's call it at their peak years in terms of income and earning potential within their career. So how would you think about their investing circumstances differently than boomers? Yeah, absolutely. Because they're in those high income earning years, they actually have the ability to save more and put those savings towards something that does have some growth. In addition, for the um, Gen Xers that are over 50, they have the ability to participate in what's called catch-up contributions, which is you know more money that can go into a 401k, more money that can go into an IRA. And again, with that extra savings that can go in there, they can position that for growth because they do have that time um, until retirement. It could be 10, 15 years still you know, for that generation. At the same time, they're often called the sandwich generation because they're dealing with aging parents and children at the same time, children that could potentially still be in the house. So they're pulled in a lot of different directions. And so they got very little time and have felt a little unsupported in, uh, in the years past, right? So they want to be able to do things efficiently. And because they have very little time, they can embrace digital types of you know, modalities of, uh, of investing, but also very much value human interaction and where they need help with now that with more assets come a little bit more complexities they haven't come across. So I see some requests for planning come in and also professional management can start to come in. Some of our clients really love doing this on their own and they're great at it and they love using fidelity.com to do it but they do need a little bit of help. And I see that start to creep in for this generation. Interesting. So for boomers and for Gen X, these are very defined generations. And this next one we're about to talk about, I'm going to coin the term the forgotten generation because I literally forgot about this generation up until five minutes ago when we had this conversation. So there's this generation that I've been informed is called Xennials. And the funny part is, I think you're part of this generation. Me, yeah. <laughs> and... and I wonder, like for Xennials, it's people who were born in the late 70s or early 80s. And it's people who have had experience now with technology, but they didn't necessarily adopt it until their teens or their early 20s, right? So it's different from Gen Z who literally was born with an iPhone in their hand. How do you think about this generation's behaviors and habits? How would you think about 
how they should be navigating their financial life from an investing perspective? And also, do they have a distinct behavior of a generation or do they kind of slide on a scale into other generations we've talked about? Good question. And I think um, this was often referred to as the Oregon Trail de- yep. generation. And any of us out there, power to uh, the, my people here, they'll know what I mean when I said I tried to forge that river every time with Oregon Trail and it failed and I just like wiped out generations for, for years to come. So like this is me. I must be an old soul because I played that game and I'm definitely not as Well, so you're on the end of it, right? So um, and it, again, this generation is elder millennials, which yeah, yeah. is fun to be called. Um, but at the same time, um, you're absolutely right. We have kind of similar stories with the Gen X, where we have very little time and we might have younger kids and we're into our mortgages and and a lot of time until retirement. So we can position things in more growth oriented vehicles. But the evolution of technology in real time that we have lived through, I think makes us easy to adapt to new things. And so something, some digital thing that moves faster, we say, ooh, that's our favorite because we remember what a fax machine is. Yep. At the time, it was cool. Now we're like, what? It's just archaic at this point. And so, again, we see a lot of people wanting to do this themselves. They love the, they embrace the digital for everything on, again, you know, fidelityarc.com in this case, or just any sort of investing platform that is online. So it sounds like there's like an open-mindedness to technology, yes. whereas, you know, maybe the generations we were talking about previously, because they were experiencing technological innovation at a later point in life, being open-minded to making those adjustments is more daunting, whereas you're saying for your generation, it's actually something that you embrace. Yes. I mean, every one of us has been on the phone with a boomer in a FaceTime where you only see their <laughs> their eyes because they don't get it, right? Yeah. But we they adapt to it eventually, right? Um, and so this generation, I find people like me, we're looking for it. We're looking for the efficiencies because we had a time when it was, you know, wildly inefficient. But similar to Gen X, because we don't have time, we can, again, position it for growth. We can really take the um, those extra savings that we might have and really position them for the retirement and the goals down the road and try to have portfolios that are more growth-oriented. Totally. Also, shout out to Nana and Poppy. You guys are great on FaceTime, and I see your entire face the whole time. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about my generation. I was born in 1993. I'm considered a millennial, and we are at some point in our late 20s into our 30s. And we've been influenced by a number of things in life, obviously just the acceleration of technology, but also large macroeconomic events globally, as well as within the US, things like the student debt crisis, things like the Great Recession, things like the pandemic. As we are, let's call it, rising the ranks within our careers, and we're reaching key life moments, things like marriage, home buying, children, et cetera. How should we be orienting ourselves to think about investing in the context of our lives right now? Yeah. And I'm so glad you asked the question in that way, because I want to phrase my answer in what I wish millennials would do, because there's some really good trends that we're seeing. They're saving a lot more than they have in the past, but because the stuff that they've seen, like you were mentioning, the pandemic fresh on their minds, you know, not that it isn't for everybody, but they feel like they've only lived through Mm -hmm. historical events in like real time, they're way too conservative. And so they're much more cautious than other generations. And so they're saving money, which is excellent, but they're not doing the second part of a two-step process, which is investing the money for growth because they're, you're so young. And so you have so many years until you're actually going to need it. And so I'm encouraging the listeners out there, keep going. I love that you're saving. 
I encourage you to try to invest with more of a growth mindset, knowing that over time, it should pay off better than just sitting in cash. And don't be afraid to talk to somebody about it, first of all. And then there's also a common misconception that I actually think goes through every generation, but this one in particular, that there's a misconception that you have to be wealthy to invest, or you have to be wealthy to get help. And it's just not true. I feel like you can have a dollar and start to invest. There is something called fractional shares. So you can take a dollar and buy like really teeny tiny pieces of, of stocks, you know, know and well, and you've done research on. But even if it's just getting some assistance or buying anything else, you don't have to have oodles of money, you know, to be able to get help and to actually invest. So, but again, at the same time, a lot of do-it-yourselfers, do it online, very little time. So like the automate things, make it easy, make it simple. It's so interesting because I feel like there's this interesting dichotomy where we live in a time professionally where millennials are changing jobs more than people have ever changed jobs before. And I would actually argue that's a more risk on behavior than previous generations. Sure. But to your point, you know, it's been found that millennials are saving more. They're being almost in some ways too conservative to grow their wealth over time to be set up properly for retirement. Right. Do you think the thing that's driving that is largely just a lot of these risk on events that over the last 20 years of millennials' lives that have just made them feel a need to be protective? Yes, and yeah. I get it. Every generation has this to a degree where they've worked so hard that they just want to like keep it, right? And in the conversation you had with, you know, last week with about yeah, women, oh, yeah. it's even worse. Like they just, oh, I want to hang on to it. I worked so hard for this, right? But they don't quite realize, and I would encourage them to realize that by not investing, you're creating this gap that there really should be there from having these investments start to work so hard for you. You've worked your, you know what, off yep. for this money. Have it work for you too and position it better, you know, for growth. And so it's absolutely because they've seen some heavy stuff. Totally. Now I am so excited for you to educate me on my dear cousin, Jordana. <laughs> Jordana is a junior in high school. She's yeah. Gen Z. She grew up with a phone, things that I will never understand. Right. How does Gen Z interact with investing? And are they even at an age where they should be thinking about it actively? So I love the energy of this generation, right? Because um, they move at a clip. And what's really interesting about Gen Z is there's a huge focus on being financially independent from having to work a traditional corporate job. Yeah. Um, and they know that it could mean working for themselves. It doesn't mean like, oh, I just want to flow through life. I want to work for myself. I want to be a business owner. I want to have this passive income coming in. But they also totally understand it means you got to save a lot of money. And we see a lot of, if you've heard of the FIRE generation oh, yeah. of financially independent, retire early. Um, but it retire doesn't mean never work again. It just doesn't mean maybe work for the man again, I guess. <laughs> um, and so positioning the portfolios that they've saved and worked so hard to save for, they get that it has to be growth oriented and they get that it has to actually recreate their paycheck. It's weird because it's kind of like boomers, but they have a lot of time um, until they actually need this for you know traditional retirement. So they know that they can take on and they have to take on more risk to try to grow it over time. And again, when it comes to technology, they want it fast. They want it now. What do you? What is a fax machine? Like you know, they don't even have a concept of something that's happening slow. And they want it consolidated and they want it easy. And so they're interacting very, very heavily digitally. And again, they love doing it and being independent for themselves. 
Yeah, it's very interesting. It's so interesting how obviously it's like the generation that sits next to millennials, but because of their desire to work in, say, something that wouldn't traditionally be thought of as a nine to five, there's more of a sense of urgency or motivation to grow their pot of money in order to work for themselves or work in a way that better integrates with the way they want to live their lives. A hundred percent. There's more of an appetite to it. Now, the one thing that I would caution for the Gen Z listeners out there is they haven't, I mean, the pandemic was a quick blip, extreme, but historically speaking, fast in terms of the market volatility, but they have to be able to stick to it. So they haven't really lived through the financial crisis or the tech bubble where some of the older generations hopefully can say like, well, it'll come back, you know, from that point of view. So as long as they don't bail on the strategy, then I think it could really pay off. And so, you know, stick to it, get to a portfolio that you're comfortable with, no matter what. It'll be interesting to see how they change things down the road. So we've talked about now the nuances of several different generations from some being more risk on, some being more risk averse, some having more of a need to invest in income generating instruments, others that should be thinking in a more growth oriented way because they have a longer time horizon. Can you now talk about generation agnostic strategy? So how, whether you're a boomer, a zillennial, a millennial, a Gen Zer, things you should be thinking about regardless of your age or generation? Yeah, absolutely. I always answer this question the same way, which is everybody needs to plan. And the portfolios are going to look different. Like we just talked about, everybody needs to come up with a plan. And the framework I always use that that people find helpful is um, you want to think about the who, the what, and the when. Who are the important people in your life that you're planning for? What are the goals you're hoping to accomplish? And when will they happen? Once you have that framework, you can assign the accounts and the portfolios to those different time periods and to those different goals, given your appetite for risk. And it gets a lot easier to organize. So every generation at any time If you've never done it, go do it. (laughs) Create a plan. It's easy to do. Sounds boring, but the boring stuff is the stuff that works. Crucial. It's crucial. Love it. Ryan, thank you so much for joining the conversation and uh, coming on to Fresh Invest. Uh, Thanks for having me. It was fun. This has been great. Thank you for tuning in to Fresh Invest today. I hope this episode gave you insightful doses of investing perspective. It's fascinating to think about how changing economic conditions and events impact each generation's approach to money in different ways. Sharing perspectives across generations can really help us think about our investments in different ways, consider different points of view, and understand how different priorities impact our long-term financial planning. Thanks again for listening and join us again next week when we talk about a classic investing strategy that is seeing a big comeback, fixed income. We will explore instruments like bonds, stocks, and fractional CDs. And for the second time this season, we will be joined by a special guest, the one, the only, Katie Gaddy Tossan from Money with Katie. She'll share ideas about practical tools that can help you navigate the fixed income landscape. So stay tuned, I'll see you then. This podcast was created on behalf of Fidelity Investments by the Morning Brew Creative Studio and does not reflect the opinions or point of view of the Morning Brew editorial team. Fidelity and Morning Brew are independent entities. Information presented herein is for discussion and illustrative purposes only and is not a recommendation or an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities. The views and opinions expressed by the speaker are his or her own as of the date of the recording and do not necessarily represent the views of Fidelity Investments or its affiliates. 
Any such views are subject to change at any time based on market or other conditions. Fidelity disclaims any responsibility to update such views. These views should not be relied on as investment advice and because investment decisions are based on numerous factors, may not be relied on as an indication of trading intent on behalf of any Fidelity product. Neither Fidelity nor the Fidelity speaker can be held responsible for any direct or incidental loss incurred by applying any of the information offered. Please consult your tax or financial advisor for additional information concerning your specific situation. This podcast is intended for U.S. persons only, and it is not a solicitation for any Fidelity product or service. This podcast is provided for your personal, non-commercial use and may contain copyrighted works of FMR LLC, which are protected by law. You may not reproduce this podcast in whole or in part in any form without permission of FMR LLC. Fidelity and the Fidelity Investments and Pyramid Design logos are registered service marks of FMR LLC, copyright 2023 FMR LLC. All rights reserved. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Investing in bonds involves risk, including interest rate risk, inflation risk, credit and default risk, call risk, and liquidity risk. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC, 900 Salem Street, Smithfield, Rhode Island. 02917. 11050770.1.0. Thanks for tuning in to Fresh Invest, sponsored by Fidelity Investments and powered by Morning Brew. Check out fidelity.com slash fresh invest to open a Fidelity account and learn more about the topics we covered in this week's episode. See you on the next one.